All right, so this is the after party for the episode on like the COVID nineteen pandemic and and stuff like that. Um, it's June fourteenth. Just in case we talk about anything topical or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting with this one that um, with everything we talked about, we didn't really get that heavy into the um, the the upward uh, wealth transference that's been happening. Mm-hmm. and um just how that also happened uh during the great depression and it happens during every economic recession you know? and every virus every mm-hmm. pandemic yeah so anytime people go out of work whenever you know these people go out of business what happens when you go out of business well you normally sell your business or you need to sell your property you sell your assets you sell your 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 company you you know you're evicted and stuff like that. And most of the time, the people who are first affected are small businesses. They are POC-owned businesses. They are not large Fortune 500 companies and things like that. And who comes in and takes their places? It's the big guys. It's the big wigs. It's the rich people. So they either buy up your brand or they take over your location or they, you know, they take your employees and stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like you have more to say about the financial... Yeah, and and it also closely follows protests. I was researching the like the long term and short term debt cycles, and um, it's interesting how the same thing happened with the protests from Vietnam, and then there was like women's liberation, and there were all these things piled on top of each other to distract from the wealth transference that mm-hmm. was happening. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to make personal steps to make this not the time that I just kind of sit back while while it's all happening. But, um, but I I have I do agree that often when the message is just to sit back and let the wealth transference happen, then um, people miss miss the boat. Like even in the with the housing uh, situation, there were some people who got on that boat and. They got houses for free. Mm-hmm. They got condos for free. Maybe that debt did destroy them, but it did. It it was just really as simple as walking into an office during that time. And one hundred percent, yeah. And um, and now um, oil is on its way out. Whether this is has geologic or practical or um, maybe even related to like royal bloodlines in Saudi Arabia, whatever its reason, um, it's fast, quickly transferring whatever big oil money into pharmaceuticals and into even Ford's making the respirators and and the ventilators. Um, So Tesla is factory switched to making ventilators too. So it's, it's just quickly shifting in that, in that direction. And because, you know, that's what business people have to do. They, they find uh, they find their best way to control that that flow. Yeah, in the Fallout video game series, um, towards like the end of a lot of these games, you actually find that the government was behind <laughs> a lot of these like huge catastrophic events um, towards citizens, and then you find out that these citizens were tricked into either going underground and being frozen for a long ass time, or uh, some of them were taken and kept to be um, brainwashed or MK Ultra or traumatized into working for said governments. 
um, not to like bring a video game. I mean, we all know how video games and entertainment <laughs> are pre-programmers, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, these like fall in line so perfectly with like what's going on right now. Yeah, it brings up a lot of like chicken or the egg stuff with me if I think about the mm-hmm. correlation between mm-hmm. big social or health events and then also the uh, the economic reshuffling that happens, you know. So is this these big economic players waiting for their chance to strike or is it them being like, yo, shit's about to go belly up in a year. So let's uh, let's get something going because we need to kind of be able to hide behind something, you know. Right, right. And also, um, there was a doctor back in, I think, the 80s or the 90s. His name was Dr. Stefan Lanka, and he went against um, some German doctors, not some German doctors. They were very high up. They were working um, in oncology and immunology at the universities um, in Germany and even a couple here in the States. But he was basically like, you guys have actually never proven that a virus is a virus. Um, you have actually never proven that you can isolate this virus from a host cell. And they basically were caught guilty in court saying, well, yeah, we had to actually CGI some of these photos um, so that we could move forward with our studies. And Dr. Lanka, um kind of not I wouldn't say paved away but he kind of popularized um challenging a lot of scientific journals and um, a lot of scientists because like I said in the previous episode uh, the companion episode to this one uh medical schools and medical journals a lot of the time have very deep ties with the education system and mainstream media pushing propaganda so Dr. Lanka basically said, hey, you know, you were caught being negligent and fraudulent um, when releasing these images of falsified HIV viruses or measles viruses or polio. Um, and this is why. And, and the reasoning he came up with was to push a multi-billion um, vaccine that was kind of planned before the measles outbreak did happen. Um, and that's, I don't know, that's kind of what we're seeing here too, right? Because people are like, oh, well, we have a cure. We we have a vaccine for this. And it's like, that shit takes decades and decades, even mm-hmm. longer to come up with because you need clinical, you need to get to like clinical trials. How are you going to get there if it just happened? Unless you kind of already knew that this was going to happen. And if it's just another subset of a flu or you're just showing flu-like symptoms, which we also talked about in the weather manipulation episode um, where there, <laughs> there were so many cases of this happening, but yeah, they were like, well, we altered the frequency in this town and everyone started to show flu-like symptoms, but then we introduced a vaccine and it fixed everything. And that, that shit is very scary to me. Very, very scary to me. Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend people looking up Dr. Stefan Lanka. Um, Yeah. Yeah, when you shared about Dr. Lanka, I mean, I just found this stuff out. It just blew my mind and how much um, I can, like, believe what I think a virus is. And I can take my ninth grade biology and look at these pictures of these bacteriophages and just kind of swallow that and be like, okay, yeah, there's these viruses. Um, they can get us sick. It's it's like a bacteria, but smaller, I guess. But 
now that I'm applying more critical thinking and reading about Dr. Lanka's research of, he won in court actually to prove that the measles wasn't a virus basically. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of makes me think of, okay, what is illness and what is a virus? I'm really interested in that. I'm studying Ayurveda and my path into that was actually not to like become a really, uh, you know, heal, heal other sicknesses. It's actually just because I want to know what's really up with our health and like the microcosm of our own bodies. Um, and so virus, the etymology of the word virus actually just means poison. Um, and, it, uh, and, um, it's very interesting how the seasonal flu, um, is a good thing and it will always continue to happen. Um, and, whether it's the mucus coming out, sometimes it's vomiting, sometimes it's sweating. Mm -hmm. It's um, a purging that's happening as um, with the, or you can look up the five organ clock um, and the five seasons clock. So it's just, it's just a natural shift that gets things flowing. Mm -hmm. And now trying to like maybe dissect what I thought I knew about viruses out of me and looking at this again, it's like, how could you possibly test for a tiny piece of DNA in you? Yeah. And, um, like also it reminds me to rethink the consciousness in a tiny piece of DNA and each of the ones that we are exchanging constantly, be it the 30 trillion viruses in our body, or if we apply a more metaphysical lens, like with just our intentions we put out, if you know, you're having a bad day, if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, you might end up stubbing your toe and missing the bus, you know, but just what, so whether you look at it as some actual um physical thing you're breathing or just your intention um it's amazing the degree of control we have over our symptoms in our body and mm -hmm. um i'm personally one way that this is affecting me is i'm seeing in my own family like a lot of hypochondriac stuff that was just under the covers but i'm seeing how serious and how much fear this causes and how that fear affects your gut which is 90% of your immune tissue is in your gut and just seeing that whole cycle play out and um, seeing how, wow, our body and our physiology is connected. And if we knew more about that, we would be more in touch with our almost superhuman abilities. Mm -hmm. But if someone else knew more about that, they could control our physiology just uh, with the sharing of a headline. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's why there was so much study going into frequencies and how frequencies altered the mind. And if you can alter the mind's frequency, um, like a radio station, you can kind of, or not kind of, you can also tune into other parts of your body that you find control. Um, Masha and Dasha are the names of a set of twins who were conjoined. And I was reading about this recently, and um, they were so interesting to the doctors that they were actually stolen from the mom and the mom was told that they died in childbirth but they were kidnapped and they were studied and when they were studying these twins um i think when they were around the ages of four or five one of them um contracted measles and i'm not going to call it a virus i'm not going to call it they just they contracted this thing that we now call measles but the other twin did not get it so the doctors were like, what in the world? This makes absolutely no sense. You know, one of them smoked and had high blood pressure, but the other one didn't. Um, one of them was obviously left-handed. The other was obviously right-handed. But their nervous systems were different. Their 
their circulation and their respiratory and all of their other systems were the same, but their mental states and their nervous systems were not the same. And so when they were studying why one of them contracted measles and the other didn't, if they were under the impression that contracting measles is done by contact, whether airborne or physical touch, um, <laughs> the, these, the set of twins kind of like blew the doctor's minds and they were like, well, this has to do with the nervous system. This has to do with the way we think. This has to do with the way we set our minds intentions about our body. You know, um, we look at the communities that this COVID is affecting. Um, I don't really, I mean, you, you guys know my stance on that, but the communities that these are affecting are the ones with food deserts, the ones with corner stores, the ones that there's a liquor store on every mm -hmm. other fucking block. Um, and that's actually uh, very interesting because what we know about um, Arconic Magic, and there's that ick again, right? What we know about these these methods of separation and division is that if you can scare someone, if you can scare a mouse, if you can scare an animal, if you can if you can incite fear, you can cause illness. And if you can fuck with the frequencies that are in the air, we didn't really touch on 5G either. I think that's just kind of an obvious one, but actually a lot of people don't know about 5G. And I feel like um, a lot of 5G talk became popularized this year, mostly and interestingly through the news media outlets um, because they were trying to dismiss and kind of invalidate the arguments towards increased frequency. Um, but people should really look into the Schumann resonance or Wilhelm Reich or Royal Reif. And these doctors have actually found frequencies of illnesses. And if you can tune into these frequencies, you can either, you know, ramp up the illness and kill the host or you can heal the host. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's yeah. yeah. So that is uh, the the vibratory stuff is is very interesting too, and like like the twin stuff is like all that stuff is is very crazy with the disease stuff. And I like I don't know much about how diseases work like at all. I just and that's like not on you. That's like that's intentional. You know, not well, a lot of people. yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 part of science was never anything. Like as this was happening, it's like I realized like damn, I don't fucking know like much about mm -hmm. this this sort of like health stuff but it is interesting when you look at um so like when this shit went down one of the first places to get locked uh locked down was grocery stores and that mm -hmm. was the big it was churches and grocery stores were the big places where you couldn't go but you could still go do drive through you could still get fast food you just liquor couldn't stores. Mm -hmm. liquor stores were open and fast food was still open and then you know, Mercury had said this in the in the other episode, but you know, it's they're still promoting all the unhealthy stuff that we do, but you don't see anything about you know taking care of yourself, and that has never mm -hmm. been an important part of American culture or really much of human culture. But now it is very, very blatant that people are supposed to be as unhealthy as possible. So you get your vitamin deficiencies from basically staying inside on the couch and you let your body, your, your, your muscles atrophy and, and your, your, your brain atrophy and all this stuff where you're, you're not going to work. You're staying inside. You're not really talking to people. You just need to sit there, eat your hamburger, 
we're giving you a bunch of stuff on TV right now. You know, you can go get some booze if you want, but like you can't go outside and exercise because mm-hmm. there's a disease with a 7% infection rate happening. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always think about heart disease because uh, whenever people throw numbers at me, I'm like, well, 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 we're not treating the heart disease like this. And it's getting way more people are getting pulled down by that. Not to mention, I'm sure it affects uh, your risk for heart disease. It's like in particular in America, I'm sure that affects your ability to get sick in, in other ways. Um, and in um, the Eastern teachings, heart disease actually just literally means that you are just unhappy inside that you're you're not following your heart and that um you know you have blocks to love of course that that can go so many different directions but definitely um people are being told that the only thing that can keep you safe is obedience and which is pretty similar to like how they did it with um the patriot act or all these different things throughout history throughout US history um but this time it's like safety in terms of your physical body and it's being equated to obedience rather than um taking your health into your own hands or growing your own food or or things like that yeah no that is true the the places that are still really big lockdown sites are physical education and and you know so you still can't go play basketball you still can't go to take your kid to a playground like the beach activity, like they let hiking back in, but there's just so much physical activity, so much physical fitness, so much physical health that has been, you know, effectively outlawed, like not to be super dramatic about it, but you know, mm-hmm. you can get in trouble for doing these things that you, you know, like, and especially if you look at how society has sort of been structured right now, like most people have to go to a gym. Like that's just how you get your physical, your physical fitness in. Like is, you know, if you work, eight, nine, 10 hours a day and you live in a city, you can't go hiking and you can't really do a lot of stuff and you don't have a house where you can have a room dedicated to having weights and and all these, you know, inside uh, workout uh, situation happening. So you need to go to a gym. And so by eliminating people's ability to go to a gym, you just took away what? almost a th- uh, th- uh, three-fourths of the country's ability to get any type of physical fitness in? You know, Mm -hmm. and we like I with my job, I go in and out of like office buildings every day. Like that's part of my job. And so, you know, you see that all of these buildings and all these companies tried to control every part of their employees life by being like, we have a cafeteria for you now. We have a workout room for you now. So you don't need to go anywhere else. You can just be at work all the time and get everything you need here. But now that all that shit is done. Now what? Like you've just spent the last two years only working out at your, you know, at your office and now that's shut down and now you don't, you know, you don't know anywhere to to go do another thing. You don't have anyone to do it with. Like it's, it's just very blatant how this is supposed to be concerning your physical health because of this virus, yet every other aspect of your physical health is being completely ignored or just being completely attacked. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also like the mask thing, as soon as that was implemented, I immediately thought of, you know, how esoteric tones on, you know, kind of went into that whole message. Um, cause it, it removes identity 
from someone. You now can't smile. You can't be kind to another person without breaking protocol. That's that's insane. There are so many 80s movies I could just list right now that predicted this exact moment. Um, yeah, it just blows my mind. I was also... I was also thinking, uh, or you brought this up, Mercury brought this thing up. It's a part of our brain called the claustrum, and it is spelled exactly like Santa Claus, Santa Claustrum. Yeah, yeah. in the Grey's Anatomy, actually, they call it the, the Santa Claustrum, the, the Holy Claustrum. It is, yeah, and it's located right behind our pineal gland, and it is the part of our brain that is responsible um one, it has a few responsibilities, but one of its main responsibilities is linking our mind's hemisphere. But two, um, it's also responsible for basically deducing distraction and also um, consciousness. Mm -hmm. So it's responsible for how aware we are or how distracted we are. Mm -hmm. And scientists, when experimenting on people, saw that if you can put electrodes to this claustrum, or our North Pole that attaches to our South Pole, you know, our crown chakra, as you were saying, mm -hmm. um, it actually confused the host what was right, what was wrong, what is up, what is down, what is left, what is right, what is real, what is fake. And you, it's, uh, it's just crazy yeah. because, yeah, you can, like, create distractions for a biological being. Mm. Yeah, well, learning about uh, good old Santa Claus within is teaching me um, is just how important attention is. And yoga is teaching me the same thing too. So a lot of our deep thinking and uh, some of our best work that's coming from in our uh, cerebrum a, a little bit deeper in there, but without the thoughts and without the mind on just what that we have this attention, this, this sense of attention that's not attached to um, what we're thinking exactly. And that attention is extremely powerful. If if you if everyone starts saying something over and over, like a phrase, like Corona, and put, puts a lot of attention at, attention to that, um, that is um, it's worth a lot to control attention of the masses. Um, I guess I can just say it back like like that. Um, and um, there is a lot of power in our attention, but beyond that, there's a lot of power in taking away attention. And um, I think that our claustrum is uh, this um, place at the top of our spinal cord um, connected to our sexual energy, which I guess is the presence at the bottom of the chimney. Um, um, this, this, this is like where the war is being fought, I feel like. And this is why I really do feel like... Um, we all have such a lot in common with each other, but we're um, fighting different sides. And, you know, it's it's race, um, but it's also more than that. And it's class, race and class. But more than that, it's like gender and um, age, even like children. Um, we aren't like like because um, the narrative is being produced as this these lives matter or all lives matter, but there's no like children's lives matter about to happen. Um, and um, I think that that's like a ground zero for for traumatizing uh, people is 
either our inner child when we're when we're older or just like just children straight up in the society and they're out of school right now and um i know that um in the spanish uh conquest in this continent um they they made sure to rename children and to um take away the type of foods that they were used to be eating and maybe even do like all these forced adoptions and we even saw a little bit of that in these current times we're seeing that too but um controlling the children controls uh the future and i just can't help but think about that because of like this connection with the santa, the santa claus um that came up mm-hmm. yeah no that's an interesting thing to bring up too is how this is affecting children um i have a few friends who are teachers or they're in the you know, greater education field and this is like a fucking nightmare for them because like this long distance educating, whatever they want to call it, like just straight up doesn't work. Like that's just not how people mm. learn. That's not how children learn. So like almost everyone I know on either side of that screen, like either as a teacher or someone who like has kids who's still in school, it's just like they're losing half a year of education and some of these people, you know, you're in very pivotal part of your your developmental stage. And there's no sign of things really opening back up. Like a lot of my teacher friends, they've been told, like, don't expect to come back before 2021. Like, we're probably not going to wow. do shit in the fall. And so that means that kids are going to be losing, you know, one full school year, if not more. Uh, to this and that's really, really going to fuck with their development. But also this really plays into a lot of like authoritarian regimes typically have like some sort of uh, assault on uh, intelligence and being an intellectual, right? So you look at a lot of the purges in China and uh, Germany and Russia and all these things when you had these shift to totalitarian uh, regimes, they got rid of the doctors, they got rid of the thinkers and the artists and stuff because these are people who are not easily controlled due to their education level. And the easiest way to prevent people, prevent there from being uh, educated people in your population like, it's bad PR to just kill them all, but it's fine if they never got the opportunity to be smart in the first place. So you have fast food, you have lead in the fucking water, fluoride in the water, and now kids don't even really have to learn anything. They don't even have to fucking go to school. So it's just going to be breeding a generation of, you know, dumb people, and then the dumb people will be easier to be told what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say with it. Hasn't already been said, but in terms of children, um, there's been an attack on children for a really long time. Um, I know we're, we're going on like a bunch of tangents, but that's because there is a lot to cover. Um, and I know we've kind of like synthesized a lot of ideas in just a few words, but in terms of children, um, I mean, we could go in so many directions with that. They are so important to um to fueling economy mm-hmm. and um i guess the way that like energetic vampires <laughs> have kind of like used children is pretty evident i don't want to like i don't want to talk about pizzagate or whatever but that was kind of like a big milestone in terms of like making people at least question what the fuck is up with kids and even in like our foster care system 
um, you know, these crazy numbers of how many children are kidnapped or go missing annually. But yeah, now you're right. Now they've had all of their structure taken away. And this isn't just about like kids in schools, right? Like this is about kids who were getting meals from their schools. Mm -hmm. These are kids because like once again, if we're seeing this pandemic effect, mostly uh, um, congested communities or disenfranchised communities, whatever the word you want to use, um, those kids are affected the most out of it because some of the time, like breakfast and lunch, like that's where their food was coming from. Um, that's where like there's a, a weird schedule that our minds get into when we wake up at a certain time. Um, and also the school systems have hijacked um, the circadian rhythm of our own system and just like the way that the sky clock works. And they've kind of hijacked that that to brainwash kids. So in a way, it's like a, a blessing in disguise that children aren't in an education system that was so royally and inherently fucked up. But like, yeah, at the same time, um, these little minds can't really handle what's going on. And those in charge know that they know how to break down a psyche better than anybody look at any hollywood film you know so yeah i i feel bad <laughs> i know that we've been going like on and off with topics that are bummers and then topics that are like so outlandish that they're kind of fun um i think that this is kind of both i feel um optimistic about what is going on even though i do know what is going on um, but yeah, I don't know. The children were just kind of like a side tangent, in, in my opinion. That's just kind of like, you're right. We're not going to see a ch children's lives matter unless it's blown up in the news. And then there's a whole other reason for that. You know, well, we already tried in that California. with the migrant children thing, right? Like that oh, was, really? <laughs> that was the big with the migrant detention camps was look what they're doing to the children. And I mean, they released right. a thing a couple months ago where another, what, 15,000 kids went missing like in this past quarter from like the detention camps and stuff that they have for them. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that meets the eye, a lot more that meets the eye right now. Um, especially like when you, when you do look into fringe stuff, um, and you look into like pedophilia rings and Hollywood and MK ultra and the way that children, um, are abused to hold power to get more power, but, this is kind of a perfect time because like you were saying with illness, um, the springtime is a time of purging. That's just, you know, that's just facts. That's farmer talk. That's astrological talk. That's astronomy talk. That's, this is a time, this is a season in which things are really gross <laughs> and things are kind of also coming back to life. Um, it is like the perfect alchemical season. Um, yeah. That's all I got to say on that. The babies. Yeah. And, um, mm -hmm. no, 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 go ahead. Yeah. Like our, our, our attention. Um, so it's like the schools have not only, uh, taken over the, uh, role of our body clock with the bells ringing and stuff, but also one thing I'm noticing here in the city is that the role of parent has been taken over, uh, by the schools the and the government and, so this could go two ways. For some, it will just intensify the need a little bit more by making parents or children feel desperate to return to that. 
But on the other hand, there is a chance to step into a reparenting and especially um, humans like we as communities have always, we instinctually want to care for care for the young, but not when we're constantly, when our attention is diverted from thing to thing, like we like um, protecting this group of people from this, these acts and from um, these illnesses, it's like almost becomes everything but our most truly vulnerable, which um, would be the children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going back a few episodes too, saying that the government or that schools will kind of be the new daycare. Um, we were talking about John D. Rockefeller and how he, uh, I'm going to look it up really fast because I always mispronounce or not mispronounce, but I always forget. Um, John D. Rockefeller was a eugenicist who uh, was in control of this thing called Population Council, which was later renamed to Planned Parenthood. And one of their goals was to restructure their family. That was actually their first goal. And they didn't just mean, oh, for population control, we need two children per family. That's actually not what they meant. What they meant was we need to restructure a family so that the parents are working and that the children's daycare is the government and that we can have a government-sanctioned daycare. And in this government-sanctioned daycare, we can kind of brainwash these children to be loyal to their country. And that that's, we were in that, like the three of us were in that and through public schools. It's crazy how indoctrinated we were. Did they make you guys, when you were walking in the hallway, did they make you walk on the right side of the hallway? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was like something that like they, yeah, like... It, I've been trying to think of all those like weird things that like they condition you to do that like now I don't even think about. Like I noticed it the other day when like if I'm ever walking on the sidewalk or walking in general, I'm normally walking to the right because of, like traffic pattern. Like it's crazy how they did that to everybody, but it's also going to be interesting to see people who don't have that conditioning, like how they're going to adjust, right? So because you're either mm -hmm. going to be set back a year or you're just not going to have that information. So like. Like, for instance, like when I was in about eighth grade, I didn't have a math teacher because someone quit and then they couldn't find a replacement. So we had substitutes and I lost a year of math. And then because of that, like for the rest of high school, like I'm still not that good at math above like an algebra two geometry type of thing because I didn't have that like foundation to really build upon when my mind was more malleable. And I think about that with these kids now to where like. I don't know, like, I can't imagine being in, like, third or fourth grade and losing a year of, like, learning how to read or, like, learning how to, like, spell or learning how to, like, really, like, write or even, like, when your creativity centers start acting up. So, like, you're now losing, like, a year of just bullshit painting or singing or gym class or any of these things where, like, you're you're setting up the foundation for the rest of your life and by eliminating these um these outlets and granted like the education system is really fucked up but it's still to an extent like serves a purpose of like preparing you for like some version of the real world whether that's natural or manufactured but still like if you're completely not given that chance then like there's going to be a lot of culture shock and a lot of just like fucked up shit that's going to happen to you because you didn't get that you know two years of being around people your age so now like like your socialization skills are going to be fucking terrible. Like they're already bad with kids, but it's, it's, it's an interesting other part of control where you have 
Hitler Youth and and a lot of like the the children's groups where they're completely indoctrinated and they don't get a chance to really think for themselves. But now we're seeing the exact opposite where they're being sort of programmed to think and do nothing. And now so they're not even like an entity that's being they're being controlled by completely just being left out of the equation. But, um, yeah, I think there's also like a generational educational gap, right? Because mm-hmm. um, now, for instance, uh, I want to like my parents about this podcast, but parents never understand, right? But then their parents never understood them, and so on and so forth. But uh, there's kind of a reason for that, just because, just like um, a people just a few years younger than me, I'm 26, are way more. <laughs> tech savvy than I am just like I'm more tech savvy than the people that are a little few years older than me um yeah and I think that um I think that this was definitely a chess move that was foreseen a while ago the fact that kids are not in school right now um I think it is also a way to get them online more I think it's a way to integrate technology more quickly with you know these dumb plebe humans (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah, exactly. Technology is definitely part of the restructuring of society. They envision um, basically need to keep these humans busy and somehow keep this economy running on spending without the work. And of course, they want to, They just like any chess game, they think a few moves a- ahead on how they want that to look because of course, how a lot of us might want it to look is just sustainable living, sustainable food systems. If, you know, automation can uh, free up our time, then we would do what we want with our time. But, uh, like, I really do feel like attention is the highest form of currency, so it's making sure that the attention can be grabbed. Um, I do kind of want to, you know, bring up something that I guess brings us more closer to the topic, but... There was Event 201, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that actually event, which was in the typical way like these um, secret societies like to do, they like to like just make it public and be like, actually, we did tell you and we did publish it and, you know, it is all out there. And so I feel like it happened like even a week before um, the the virus was made. we were made aware of the of an illness happening. But in the event, one thing they said is that this would be something that was inside all of us already that was triggered by an outside signal or an outside force. And I really do feel like um, that because um, of the nature of DNA and the nature of DNA fragments, that this timeline might be a lot longer than I thought in terms of how far ahead this was planned. Um, our food uh, is really is con- uh, a genetic resource itself. And um, there's been a lot of experimentation. Like my, my parents' generation is an example of that. Of like There's a huge uh, amount of diabetes that didn't affect our community before then. And I guess the heart disease comes up too of like the um, um, the amount of additives in the food and the style of diet. 
But I think it's very easy that, again, maybe even using the language of asymptomatic carrier, that if it is a physical thing, it is definitely possible for most of the world to already carry it. And for something simply like, I'm afraid I'm going to get the virus and I'm reading about a pandemic and I now I, I, I believe there's a pandemic and now my activity has gone down, but my diet has stayed the same and these um, uh, components are increasing their concentration in my organ systems. Um, that's kind of how I'm viewing this and why um, I'm not wearing masks and I don't believe that I could be responsible uh, for the, the death of another um, because I just, I'm seeing how just that one belief alone is tearing up the minds and the personal power and the ability to do something in this position rather than just sit back and, um, and let it happen to us. Um, I know you had mentioned the ep epileptoid response. Um, yeah, our physiology is um, truly, truly amazing and um, truly malleable and um, to our own benefit. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Um, <laughs> switch another gear around. Um, we brought up George Soros in the episode, and he's an interesting He's an interesting character in a lot of the conspiracy stuff, and you, uh, son, had brought up that like he's not a big deal right now, and I think a lot of that's sort of been taken over by uh, Bill Gates, right? But mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Like I find the George Soros stuff involved with COVID and involved with uh, the Black Lives Matter stuff to be super interesting. Um, on either side of, of the fence on that one, just because it's, it's a very interesting pattern, you know, regardless of where you sit, where if you have a rich person who in any way says that they support something, the first reaction to, with everyone, even if sometimes a lot, a lot of times it's right, is there's something else going on and this person has ulterior motives and they're, they're funding it for, for X, Y, and Z reason. You know, and so you, we see that with Soros because he's been on the scene for a while. With like, if you're into oh, conspiracy long, stuff, like his long, name yes, comes up. Yeah, his name comes up all the time. It's interesting that now he's becoming big with QAnon uh, being big. I think QAnon just got what a congressman or a senator. Like someone running on a QAnon platform is like going to be in senator and Congress, which is that's really interesting. Uh, yeah, and uh, not only George. So or George Soros is an interesting player to look at, but also um, there's this thing called resignation.info, and you can look up all of the politicians that have resided or uh, resigned over the past few years, but even in this past few months, this past year, um, there have been so many top dog politicians that were secretly fired or secretly under the table um, resigning. That was really odd. George Soros always freaks me out because when the first wave of BLM came around, I completely fell for it. I was like, damn, I'm such a privileged motherfucker. Like, I got to be here for black people. But then I grew up a little bit. I grew up a lot. And I kind of opened my eye to like see and also look properly and through it. Um, and it was a fear tactic, ultimately. 
and that's that's kind of where I still stand now. It's it's a way to divide classes further. This divide and conquer thing, like it's not just something we learn about in school. It's something that really, really works. Whether you're talking about it on a cellular level and you're trying to divide cells from a virus, haha, um, to analyze them further. But also, if you want to divide civilizations and communities, so you can analyze them further and analyze what their wants and needs are, so you could better manipulate and use them to be a tool and a slave. Um, George Soros is a pretty slimy dude. He's very, very open about where his money goes, but even more open about his interest in um, uniting economics globally. Like mm -hmm. his global interest and bridging everyone together and not in an altruistic, kind-hearted way, like definitely in a very nefarious way. Um, there is there's this uh, scientist, what is... Hold up. Etienne de Harvin. Um, they're a m medical professor of pathology at the University of Toronto. Um, there's just this quote that I saw, and he said that we are not witnessing viral epidemics. We are witnessing epidemics of fear, and both the media and the pharmaceutical industry carry most of the responsibility for amplifying fears, fears that happen incidentally to always ignite fantastically profitable profitable business. Research hypotheses covering these areas of virus research are practically never scientifically verified with appropriate controls. Instead, they are established by consensus. This is then rapidly reshaped into a dogma, efficiently perpetuated in a quasi-religious manner by the media, in including ensuring that research funding is restricted to projects supporting the dogma in excluding research into alternative hypotheses. An important tool to keep dissenting voices out of the debate is censorship at various levels, ranging from popular media to scientific publications. Um, that, that kind of spoke to me, um, mostly because of this whole uh, censorship talk, right? So in the BLM thing, if you're against it, you're, you're supposed to be silenced, you deserve to have a brick smashed through your face. Like there's just so much violence perpetuated and the same people who are in charge of censorship saying that it might cause harm to children's minds are the same people in the same breath also perpetuating violence and crime and gore and hypersexualized content so that people could see it. So do you want censorship or you do you not want censorship? It seems that it's very controlled and these measures of control are a way to manipulate end results um, that have already been kind of planned. And George Soros, oof, mm, slimy, slimy boy. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing is I never really thought George Soros was that interesting as like this boogeyman guy. And then now that he's like a Q target, so to speak, you know, whatever. Everyone in the community world is like talking about him. And mm -hmm. I just never really found anything that he did to be like that interesting or that like not nefarious, but you know, it's like there's so not so so many other people, but it's just out of anyone that I could think of who it's like, yep, this person has a lot to gain. This person is connected in all these very obvious ways. This guy is right there, like right to the right of the camera. And then George Soros kind of always gets brought up because he's like really rich and he has this long history of like 
helping out liberal causes, whatever that means, you know? And so that's just always a very, very funny one that people have been latching on to because most of the stuff that people bring up when they like have an anti George Soros thing to say, it's typically a conspiracy or like conjecture. Like a lot of it like can't really be proven because it's like based off of like what the motives were for doing something. And then, down the line, a possibility could be nefarious. And I'm not defending George Soros because I really don't care about that person. Like, I, they aren't really on my radar. But it's just more interesting to think about, like, a Bill Gates type of person where you can see the direct line between what they're doing and what they're advocating for and how their interests can be more well met, right? So we have, right. like, the Bill Gates stuff and then with all the vaccination, vaccination connections and stuff, but then with George Soros, he's always supposed to be this like big shadow we figure off in the background that like somehow we figured out who he was, right? So it's just I always thought that that was very interesting, like in terms of all the global players, like out of everyone, like everyone's latching on to just like this random rich, sh- shitty European dude. Yeah, um, not a lot of people know what the Rockefellers look like. Not mm-hmm. a lot of people know what the Rothschilds look like. Not a lot of people know who these big players look like or what they're doing um bill gates is popularized for a reason he like he's meant to be demonized for a reason right now he's kind of like the the uh symbol the mascot right for like the the villain that we need right now so i don't really wish like ill will on this person that i don't even know is a person could be a reptile could be ai could just be you know some cgi thing i don't really whatever But what I do know is that this person, Bill Gates, has had some false interest in Africa years and years ago, right? Let me, I'll start off too, and we don't have to like go on a whole thing about Bill Gates, but first of all- Yeah, we got about, we got about 10 minutes left to sort of guide your- Your next little part. Yeah. Word, thank you. I guess what I was just going to say is- Bill Gates' interest in Africa was not out of the the public interest or the best interest of Africans. Um, He went there to invest in oil, and he also went there to destabilize an economy and destabilize communities and was like, okay, I will bring immunizations. I wouldn't trust someone who isn't a doctor, who didn't go to medical school, who has no degree, actually, who dropped out of high school (laughs) to give me a shot. Like this, he's kind of like the last person. I wouldn't want a trillionaire giving me an immunization. You would, hell, that that just doesn't even make sense in any world to me. Um, Because especially we live like completely different lives. (laughs) But that's all I was going to say is, yeah, his interests were kind of misled and um, his actions were really, really creepy and still are. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like if if you and I don't really get that into a lot of these like uh, superstars of the conspiracy, like of, of the of the covid stuff. I, I don't really think that any of the people who are being talked about that heavily in conspiracy th- circles, which are now mainstream, which bugs the fuck out of me. But like, no, me too. I get you. I don't really think that any of these like Bill Gates or uh, George Soros guys really are even anywhere near who we should be 
focusing on or who we could be yeah. focusing on, you know? So it's interesting that they're like the public figures of the conspiracy that's happening. But along those yeah. same lines, um, with a lot of the COVID stuff and the domestic reaction that has led to international sort of uh, relations, because of that, uh, the United States is no longer participating with the World Health Organization. We are pulling out our funding and we really don't fuck with them as of right now. We're trying to distance ourselves from the international medical community, um, even to the point where there was a lab in Germany that said that they were pretty close to finding out, a vac like having vaccine trials ready. And the American government went in to this private company and said, yo, we will buy the rights to make sure that America is the first one to have it. And so then the company itself was like, <laughs> That's great. get the it's fuck like out of here. It's like going to the moon all over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that, I kind of wanted to see y'all's, your opinion on the American medical scene trying to divorce itself from the international one and what you think the implications think or the reasons for that might be. Do you have anything to say? Um, one thing I have to say that I've noticed about the medical industry is that um even though you had mentioned you had mentioned earlier about how this was like a intellectual group that was often come over after really hard one thing i'm seeing right now is that they are all being gaslit and fed misinformation in their own way that that a lot of doctors in this country are in a state of constant responding and haven't had time to think through even good treatment plans and someone over their shoulder telling them to even count their statistics a certain way. Yeah. Do you have anything to add with the uh, son? Yeah. yeah, I do. I do. Um, so there was this dude, Dr. Robert Koch, and he was kind of a the father of science, you know, same with like the Mayo brothers and um, Pasteur and all these guys who were kind of like behind virology. Um, but it turns out that a few of these doctors um, were actually taken to court for fraudulent cases. So when you ask me, like, what are your views on America pulling out of the who? I'm like, none of those parties even have my back. <laughs> So I think that it's kind of a way to, one, appease masses and be like, look what we're doing. First of all, look at the who. They're doing some shady shit. But America, never. How could we? So then we pull out and then we have our own NIH and our own CDC. But they're just as, you know, nefarious. They're just as shadowy. <laughs> um, I don't think, I mean, I think people that are listening already know about immunizations and whether or not you should get one or not. Um, but I don't know. I don't really know if I have <laughs> an opinion on a, a fake agency pulling out of another fake agency. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes sense. If you, yeah. I mean, I just, my thoughts on it really just stem from like, I think that a lot of uh, America pulling out one is a uh, fodder for the conservative base. That's sort of been something that they've been trying to get for a while. That's a big, big, big push with the conservative crowd and a lot of like the, especially the Q people. Like that's why Q is a fascinating mm -hmm. thing. We got to do a, an episode on that or something. Like it's just, it's amazing how mainstream it is now. And they're getting a lot of that's like, weird. but they're getting so many like 
um, other like like conspiracy people or, or like intellectual people or people who pay attention to these stuff, like a lot of them are really jumping on the Q train because like the anti-international stuff. So a lot of the big conspiracy people focus on this NWO Illuminati one world order thing. And now they've been saying we need to go independent. We need to not worry about, you know, the UN and all these evil organizations. So now that Trump is saying that he's getting a lot of support from these people. And I sort of think that that ties back to the, like these people sort of looking at it and one D being like, fuck those guys, let's get out of here. And then the people who kind of, or playing the larger chess game or like, yep, this will fit into what we want to do. Cause I, I really mm-hmm. think that with us pulling out of the, the WHO and not really fucking with the UN that much, this is really going to be a way for America to not have any viable punishments from an outside organization. If they do something fucked up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if we're not relying on, yeah, because we're still receiving funding, <laughs> we're still receiving funding from them. Yeah. Like we just are the UN still and like the UN is still receiving research and funding from our military and from DARPA. Yeah, like it's all still on that level. But I think us pulling out at least the optics of it, of us pulling out from the international community is just so that if the United States wants to turn itself inward, no one can really do anything about it. This is a great way for uh for our government to get more control over our lives because now we're not yeah. relying on international fact checking for our medicines because we got it all taken care of here, baby. Even though everything here is funded yeah. by the pharmaceutical industries and, and various lobbying mm-hmm. groups to push their products and their agendas and stuff. So, you know, and especially with like the food science and, and edge it, you know, and physical education and stuff like that, like the whole way up and down, like this episode, like if you can eliminate any outside narrative, then you can, it's easier to control people and it's easier to pit people against each other. Cause if you're going against mm-hmm. the, the view of the state and the narrative of the state, you know, then now you're the enemy of the state. And so a great way to control what people think is to eliminate their other options. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Well, we're actually, we're like at time now we're right under an hour or so. Right. Oh, um, thank you again for, joining us for the second hour mercury yeah no problem i love this i need this outlet too hell yeah yeah this is important for us yeah yeah cool. it was great yeah this is a good topic yeah this was a good one um all right so thanks everybody for listening and you know tell your friends hopefully they'll enjoy it and stuff like that but um we will see y'all next week have a good have a good week yeah bye guys <laughs>